0: Hello and welcome to The Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Ella, your host. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of The Heiress of Slytherin. So before I get into today's chapter content, I'll be going over chapter 12 of Chamber of Seekers, which is Polyjuice Potion. Um... I want to dedicate this episode to Robbie Coltrane. He played Rubius Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies, and he passed away yesterday. So it was really sad for Harry Potter fans. He was also in James Bond movies. Like, Robbie Coltrane was the absolute perfect Hagrid. And so many of these actors in the the Harry Potter movies really are perfect for the roles that they play, um, for the characters that they bring to life. And there's something special about Robbie Coltrane's portrayal of Hagrid. I mean, he really is Harry's first his Harry's first friend. He's the first person he's Harry's first introduction to the wizarding world, to Diagon Alley, to all that stuff. He finds out a lot of things from Hagrid. So, it's it's hard, you know, and he was 72 when he passed away and it just hits different too knowing about the harry potter reunion that came out in 2022 remember it was on hbo max it was at midnight that it came out and i remember watching it at midnight like right when it came out i started watching it and robbie coltrane towards the end when it was all the actors just kind of doing like concluding thoughts and like their memories and things like that he said that the legacy of harry potter is that his children's generation will be teaching their children about Harry Potter and, you know, sharing that with them. And he said, like, that could happen easy in 50 years' time. And he said, I'll not be here, sadly, but Hagrid will be. And it's so true. I mean, that legacy is just so huge, and it will transcend just so many generations. And it's really sad that he said that. I mean, it was recorded in 2021. Uh, when they filmed that reunion special, but 2022 is when we all heard it and he died in 2022 this year. So really, really sad, you know, spent my time crying yesterday about it. was watching Harry Potter movies. Of course. Um, I was just watching Sorcerer's Stone right now as I was like cleaning and cooking breakfast and doing some things around my house, but it's really tough. It's really sad. Um, and you just remember so many great things about the character of Hagrid, um, and I, I really love too how in Chamber of Secrets Harry tells him it's not it's not Hogwarts without you, Hagrid, and it's it's just so hard like those types of lines like that line in particular, it's true like Hagrid was just you 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 can't dislike Hagrid you know. There are some things about him that are questionable and, you know, sometimes he doesn't have the best judgment, but overall you people love Hagrid. And I think a large part of that too is Robbie Coltrane really was the perfect Hagrid. He portrayed him so, so perfectly, um, mannerisms and just everything that he did. And you can't help, but not picture Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid when you're reading these books, and it's just a lot. It really is. And I'm I'm so upset that I'm really sad. But I know right now he's in a better place. And it's just great to be able to celebrate his memory and the legacy that he's left in these movies. And Harry Potter means the world to me. And the actors that portray these characters in the movies are so special to me. So it's, it is really tough. Um, and... I I'm just really sad about it and I know like all The fans around the world are too on social media There's a lot of love outpouring for him and everything that he did So it's it's hard and it makes me sad But i'm glad that i'm able to Do this podcast and be able to like Relate to it and talk about His portrayal and everything as i'm doing it so This episode is definitely dedicated to him I will be doing, at some point, an episode like just about Robbie Coltrane's Hagrid. And now he has joined um, so many other Harry Potter actors that have passed away. So it's really sad. I mean, that's just life. It happens, you know. Everybody, you know, dies. Nobody finishes life alive, you know, obviously. So inevitable, but it doesn't mean that it's any easier when it does happen. Um, So... I'm really sad about it, but I am glad I'm able to do an episode today. I know I haven't done an episode in a few weeks, and I know I said that I was like trying to record as many as I could ahead of time before school got too crazy. I'm about halfway through my semester right now, and it's crazy. It's so much just constant studying and everything, and I even have a test on Monday and I probably should be studying for it right now, but instead I wanted to take put aside a few hours to record another episode. It just felt right, like, and it just helps me because, for me, since Harry Potter is so special to me, I like need Harry Potter in my life. And whether that be watching the movies during the week or reading the books, rereading, um, or doing my podcast now to record an episode, like that's what I do because it's just so special to me. And I know I don't always have time for. The podcast because I just like, oh, school is so insane. But um, moments like this, when I am able to do some recordings are really special to me. So not going to be in school forever, but until I do graduate, it is going to be a little bit crazy in terms of recording, which I have spoken about before. But yeah, that's, that's the big... I wouldn't say there's any more like news, I guess, that I really want to talk about because there's really not. There's been some amazing tributes that the actors have posted um, on social media about Robbie and just really their love for him and like how he really was just such a great person to work with and how his legacy is just so great. And it's just, it reminds me too, it's like when he did say that about how he won't be here, but Hagrid will be. That's just absolutely just. It's so sad because it's it's true. Like, Hagrid will always be here just like all the other characters will always be here. All those characters and the actors who brought them to life that really made sure that they put, like, all their effort, all their... They just put all their energy 100%, like, into being perfect for these roles and robbie coltrane like there is not somebody else that would have been a better a better Hagrid, and i it's, i'm just really sad about it still um i would like to read some of the tributes that some people um have posted some of the actors from harry potter so rupert grint um, on his instagram he posted a picture of hagrid who's like playing the flute outside of his hut that is from the sorcerer's stone that picture a movie and he says that he's heartbroken to hear that Robbie is gone I'll never forget the smell of cigars and beer glue a wonderful combination no one else on this planet could have played Hagrid only Robbie just as Hagrid was in the books and films Robbie was in life warm compassionate and hilarious a giant-hearted man who was still looking out for us even decades later sending love to his family see you on the other side bobser And it's true, like that line that Rupert wrote, no one else on this planet could have played Hagrid, only Robbie. It is incredibly, incredibly true. No, literally nobody else. And I can't stress how perfect he portrayed him. So I definitely, I'm very upset about it. But I love that he, that Rupert did say that because it's true, like nobody else could have played him. And Daniel Radcliffe also released a statement. He said, Robbie was one of the funniest people I've met and used to keep us laughing constantly as kids on the set. I've especially fond memories of him keeping our spirits up on Prisoner of Azkaban when we were all hiding from the torrential rain for hours in Hagrid's hut and he was telling stories and cracking jokes to keep morale up. I feel incredibly lucky that I got to meet and work with him and very sad that he's passed. He was an incredible actor and a lovely man. Emma Watson said, Robbie was like the most fun uncle I've ever had. Most of all, he was deeply caring and compassionate towards me as a child and an adult. His talent was so immense that it made sense he played a giant. He could fill any space with his brilliance. Robbie, if I ever get to be so kind as you were to me on a film set, I promise I'll do it in your name and memory. Know how much I adore and admire you. I really miss your sweetness, your nicknames, your warmth, your laughs, and your hugs. You made us a family. Know that you were that to us. Bonnie Wright said, heartbroken by the passing of Robbie Coltrane, Hagrid was my favorite character. Robbie portrayed Hagrid's warmth, sense of home, and unconditional love for his students and magical creatures so brilliantly. Thanks for all the laughter. Missy Robbie. Sending love to your family." jk rowling said i'll never know anyone remotely like robbie again he was an incredible talent a complete one-off and i was beyond fortunate to know him work with him and laugh my head off with him i send my love and deepest condolences to his family above all his children so in case you guys aren't aware of who those people were Rupert grant of course played ron weasley daniel radcliffe he played harry potter emma watson played hermione granger Bonnie Wright played Jenny Weasley, and J.K. Rowling, she's the author of the series. She created Harry Potter, thus creating the character Hagrid. Um, I also wanted to read what Tom Felton said, and also um, the twins. So James Phelps, he played Fred Weasley. He said, I will miss the random chats about all subjects under the sun. And I'll never forget, in September 2000, Robbie Coltrane came over to a very nervous 14-year-old me, on my first ever day on a movie set, and said, enjoy it. You'll be great. Thank you for that. Oliver Phelps, who played George Weasley, wrote, he tweeted, November 2001, Custer Square, London. Soak the sin, lads. It's like a Rolls Royce for your first car. Robbie Coltrane, when he was next to me on the red carpet for the first Harry Potter premiere. Over the years, we had some great chats about history and travel. Rest in peace, Robbie. Tom Felton wrote, who played Draco Malfoy, he tweeted, One of my fondest memories of filming Harry Potter was a night shoot on the first film in the Forbidden Forest. I was 12. Robbie cared and looked after everyone around him, effortlessly, and made them laugh, effortlessly. He was a big, friendly giant on screen, but even more so in real life. Love you, mate. Thank you for everything. And also, some of these people, I mean, these actors that worked with him, They've also been tweeting pictures from, whether it was the movie premieres or on set or just things like that, pictures of him too. And I mean, obviously I can't show the pictures on the podcast because it's just audio, but I think that was really great as well that they included those. and It was cool to see those because some of those pictures you just haven't seen before. So overall, just, it's a lot. It really is sad. I mean think last episode or the episode before that i was talking about or i posted it and i put it in memory of her majesty because she passed away last month and now robbie coltrane passed away this month yesterday so it's it's still all pretty fresh and it's hard um but i am glad that i'm able to do this podcast and kind of like Duden's memory dedicated to him and just i'm so fortunate to have harry potter in my life and i mean the actors are a part of that and robbie coltrane Nobody else could have played Hagrid, the absolute perfect person. And I just thank him so much for everything he did for these movies, for the character of Hagrid, someone so important, his portrayal, and just how great it really was. And I'm excited to do this and then just continue to watch some Harry Potter tonight see him portray Hagrid. You'll also notice um, if you guys follow my Twitter that I've been tweeting a lot about it and just how I was watching Goblet of Fire last night. And I really... I love his performance in all the movies, but there's some really good... I really like him in Goblet of Fire. Um, and it was really cool. I love him in all the movies. Prisoner of Aspen, like, literally, it's, like, all the movies. But Goblet of Fire is special to me, and I enjoyed seeing his interactions with Matt Maxime and everybody. So I'll probably watch, I'm thinking, Deathly Hollows tonight, part one and part two, because I love when he is so... Obs- his portrayal of Hagrid being so upset that Harry came to the forest is, is really powerful. So now I'm going to get into uh, today's chapter discussion, which is chapter 12 of the Chamber of Secrets, um, the Polyjuice Potion. So last chapter we saw there was a dueling club. That was like the big thing. And also nearly headless Nick, seems to have been petrified. And same with Justin Finch Fletchley. And this is making the Hufflepuffs, this is making so many people concerned and even more convinced that Harry is the heir of Slytherin and he's the one behind the attacks. And McGonagall basically says that it's out of her hands. I have to take you to Dumbledore. And well, she doesn't say she's taking him to Dumbledore. She just kind of takes him there and Harry just knows. And this is his first time in Dumbledore's office. So I'm going to read the description about the um, office. So Harry looked around, one thing was certain. Of all the teacher's offices Harry had visited so far this year, Dumbledore's was by far the most interesting. If he hadn't been scared out of his wits that he was about to be thrown out of school, he would have been very pleased to have a chance to look around it. It was a large and beautiful circular room full of funny little noises. A number of curious silver instruments stood on spindle-legged tables Whirring and emitting little puffs of smoke. The walls were covered with portraits of old headmasters and headmistresses, all of whom were snoozing gently in their frames. There was also an enormous claw-footed desk and sitting on a shelf behind it, a shabby, tattered wizard's hat, the sorting hat. So Harry looks around. He considers putting the hat on again, you know. The portraits, they're all asleep. And he really wants to... No, because all these this talk about maybe if he was there a Slytherin and he learned that he's a Parseltongue and that's not common and really only Slytherin's descendants can do that like Harry really isn't sure about what's going on and you know I would if I was him too I'd kind of want to put the hat on as well and be like okay like what what's going on like am I supposed to be in Slytherin like the hat did tell me that before but I asked it to be in Gryffindor like he just wants to know what's going on. So he like quietly, even though they're all asleep, he walks around the desk. He grabs the hat and puts it onto his head. Slowly, it's still too big for him, and um, it like covers over his eyes, just like last year when he put it on. And Harry kind of waits for it to start speaking. And the Sorting Hat, you know, just right away, is basically like even wondering whether I put you in the right house. And he tells Harry that he was difficult to place. And he still stands by what he said before last year, that he Harry would have done well in Slytherin. And Harry, you know, he just gets mad and takes the hat off and just puts it back and tells him, you're wrong. And, you know, the hat is quiet, doesn't speak to him <laughs> um, after that. But, you know, because Harry, that's not what he wanted to hear. I think Harry put it on because he wanted to be reminded, like, yeah, you're in Gryffindor. Like, you're good in Gryffindor. But the hat's kind of telling him, no, I think you would have done well in Slytherin, just like you told him last year. And remember, since, like, this podcast is great because I can do, like, all these Easter eggs and everything, the Sorting Hat was looking at the piece of Voldemort's soul inside Harry. That's the part that would have been in Slytherin. We're not talking about, like, Harry. Harry is just a Slytherin through and through. Harry is very much a Gryffindor. But... The Sorting Hat also saw that in him because, you know, he's a Gryffindor. His parents, like, that's, like, his legacy. He's very brave. I mean, look, he saved the Wizarding World multiple times, right? So Harry is very much a Gryffindor, and that Slytherin piece is the, the sliver of Voldemort's soul that lives in, inside Harry because Harry is a Horcrux. So Harry, you know, tells the, the hat, the silent hat, you're wrong. And then he starts hearing, like, this gagging noise. And he turns around and sees there's a golden perch in Dumbledore's... um office and it's a decrepit looking bird that resembled a half plucked turkey and harry just kind of stares at it it keeps making the gagging noise harry even's looking at it thinking it looks like very ill like this bird is not okay and the feathers are like falling off and harry is like thinking worst case scenario like all he needs is for dumbledore's pet bird to die while he's alone in the office and then all of a sudden when he thinks that the bird bursts into flames And Harry, you know, kind of yells in shock. He's, like, looking around, like, making, (laughs) trying to see if there's, like, water somewhere. Because Harry doesn't know the spell Aquamenta yet. That's, what like, a water spell. Um, The bird, you know, is still on flames and becomes a fireball. Gives a loud shriek. And next thing you know, it's just a pile of ash on the floor. Harry is kind of, like, terrified. And Domidor comes in looking very somber. And right away, Harry's like, your bird, it caught fire. Like, I couldn't do anything. And Dumbledore just smiles, which astonishes Harry. And he tells him, like, oh, yeah, that's normal. It's about time. Uh, I've He's been looking dreadful for days. I've been telling him to get a move on. So Dumbledore explains to Harry that Fox is a phoenix. And phoenixes are birds, magical birds. They will burst into flame when it's time for them to die. And they are reborn from their ashes. So Harry's he tells him just like watch and you see the little baby bird like poking up from the ashes um like a little little newborn bird and Harry thinks it's quite as ugly as the old one and he tells him like a shame you had to see him on a burning day so yeah burning day is a thing for phoenixes when they die and then they're reborn from their ashes which is really cool um, it's a pretty cool concept. I don't like birds, but these phoenixes are really cool, and they are important in the Dumbledore family, which we learned a little bit more about in *Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore*, the movie that came out earlier this year. So, yeah, Fox is really majestic, and um, Dumbledore says he looks handsome most of the time with like red and gold plumage. Um, and he's saying they're. He also gives Harry more information. Like this is all important because this comes up later in the book. That. Um, they're really powerful. They can carry immensely heavy loads, so they're very strong. And their tears have healing powers. And they make highly faithful pets. Those are all those three things he mentioned are all things that help Harry get out of the Chamber of Secrets and survive the Chamber of Secrets and everything. So these are very much um, important points that Dumbledore is making. So healing powers carry heavy loads and highly faithful pets those are going to come up later in this book so harry is still kind of in shock that fox you know just burst into flames died and was reborn and he almost forgets what he's there for however before dumbledore can even like say anything someone just comes in swinging through the door and it is none other than Hagrid. So, again, this is this is rough because here Hagrid is vouching for Harry. And um, he tells Professor Dumbledore, like, no, it wasn't Harry. Um, I was talking to him just seconds before that kid was found. He wouldn't have even had time to do it. And Dumbledore keeps trying to, like, say something. And Hagrid is, like, interrupting him. And he keeps talking, like, it, it's not him. I'll swear it in front of the Ministry of Magic if I have to. Like, you know Harry would never... And then Dumbledore very loudly says, Hagrid, like, I just think of how he does it in the movie, in the Chamber of Secrets, that, oh, great scene. And he tells him, like, I don't think that Harry attacked those people, Hagrid, like, don't worry. Um, And Hagrid's like, oh, yeah, right. So remember, right now, Harry saw Hagrid, he was carrying the limp rooster, Hagrid is still carrying that limp rooster, it's the dead rooster, remember a rooster's cry is fatal to the basilisk. So that's why, like it's such a great Easter egg that it's like blinking, you'll miss it. That's why there's dead roosters. Like the diary, Tom Riddle's diary, was sending Jenny Weasley, who he was possessing, to go kill the roosters because it's fatal to the basilisk. So really great clue right there. And Harry is almost a little bit shocked too, and he's like, Oh, okay, like you don't you don't think it's me. Um, and Dumbledore is like, no, but I do want to like talk to you still. And he asks Harry, is there anything you'd like to tell me? Like anything at all. So this is what Harry, this is a chance for Harry to tell Dumbledore about what's been going on with anything. Like it's an opportunity. If, if Harry never felt like he could go to Dumbledore before, I don't think that's, that's not the case. But even if he did feel that way, like this was an invitation from Dumbledore to be like, okay, like, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Tell me like. Anything about this? So, some of the things that run through Harry's head are um, Malfoy when he shouted, "You'll be next, Mudbloods!" So remember, he he still thinks that Malfoy could be there, Slytherin. Um, he's thinking about the Polyjuice Potion that they're breaking a bunch of rules uh, for to brew it. He's thinking about that voice, that disembodied voice, the the chilling, like bone-chilling, creepy voice that he's heard twice now and right before the attacks like this is right this is what he's hearing and so he thinks about ron saying hearing voices no one else can hear isn't a good sign even in the wizarding world so we already know in the muggle world wor- world sorry <laughs> in the muggle world that's not good in the wizarding world with magic and everything it's still not a good sign it's not good so he thought he thinks about that and like how like okay Ron says it's not good and like that's exactly what's happening to me. Um, even though like Harry doesn't know it's because it's a snake, the basilisk is the creature and it's a parcel Harry's a parcel tongue, he can speak to snakes. That's why he only he can hear it and understand it. And he thinks about telling Dumbledore that. He thinks about telling him what everyone is saying about him and how he has like this internal dread that he might somehow be connected with Salazar Slytherin. And it's all because of Voldemort. Like, literally, this is all Voldemort's fault. Pretty much everything, so many things in the series are the faults of Voldemort. This is another one of them. That's why Harry is slightly connected to Salazar Slytherin, because Voldemort tried to kill Harry, and doing so, he accidentally made Harry into a horcrux. Harry now shares powers of Voldemort, um, such as Parseltongue. And Voldemort is a descendant of Salazar Slytherin. Voldemort is the of Slytherin. He is the one who can speak to snakes and everything. He gave Harry those powers when he tried to kill him. Like, he didn't do it on purpose, you know, because he wanted him to be dead. But his con- Harry's connection to Salazar Slytherin is through Voldemort. I wouldn't say it's, like, that deep, like, Harry is connected to him because of Voldemort. But it's more so Voldemort has connection to Salazar Slytherin. Therefore, Harry has some similarities, such as Parseltongue and things like that. Also, I should probably mention that Harry and Voldemort are very distantly related. So that's another kind of, like, important thing to mention, I I think. So after all those thoughts, Harry tells Dumbledore, no, there isn't anything. Harry, you know, not not the greatest idea. You probably should have told him, I think this would have saved you some grief this year you know some trouble and everything but he just didn't you know maybe he felt like he just shouldn't just like he didn't want to get in trouble for the polyjuice potion especially because him and ron were already kind of like on very tight leashes so harry says no there isn't anything professor leaves his office kind of goes about his day night whatever then as the story progresses we keep learning that people are Continuing to panic, they're like, or nervousness is turning into like just pure panic, like everywhere. So, nearly headless Nick and Justin, a double double attack, it it just is terrifying people, especially because of nearly headless Nick. That's what's worrying people most because they're thinking like, what could happen to a ghost? Like he's already dead. What is this terrible power that is causing someone? like a thing who's already dead to be attacked, to be hurt, to be injured or whatever. Because nearly headless snake, it's not like he just, you know, he didn't just wake up. He's still very much like petrified and it's, yeah, he's a, he's a ghost. He's already dead. It's almost like it can't kill him, but like he's already dead and something still happened to him. So it's very much like a intense panic for sure. And I like how the author said um, what had hitherto been nervousness into real panic. Like, yeah, it was nervousness and kind of like some anxiety over it. Now it's just straight, like, fear. So once they send out the lists for people who are going to go home for the holidays, um, like to to book their seats on Hogwarts Express to go home for Christmas, like, people are just running to sign up for that. So Ron tells Harry and Hermione, like, at this rate, we're going to be the only ones left, us and Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle, like, jolly holiday, right? No, not very much at all. So Harry, they well, I mean, they're excited. They're not, like, excited, I guess, but to, like, drink the Polyjuice potion, but they want to find out more. They want to do some sleuthing, right? And it's the holidays are going to be their chance to do that. So Harry, though, he is glad that most people are leaving because as he's walking down the corridors, people are, like, like, leaving, skirting around, trying to avoid him, not making eye contact, like, or they're looking at him, and muttering, and pointing, and, like, just being, like, annoying kids, right? And Harry's just tired of it, and he's glad he's gonna get, like, a break from all of them, and try to hopefully prove that Malfoy is the Slytherin, that he's the one behind the attacks. There are, however, two people that kind of find this whole thing just comical, and that's the twins. That's Fred and George. They... They think they just know it's so ridiculous that Harry could ever have anything to do with attacking these people, the, this creature, like the ghost, the the cat Mrs. Norris. They know that it's so ridiculous that it, and it's just so impossible that Harry would ever do this that they're like making it funny. And I love I love Fred and George and I love them for this because, you know, they are not afraid to just like stand up for him and be like, well, what, like you really, you guys really think that he's going to do this? Like he defeated Voldemort, you know? And it's like the Hufflepuffs are trying to be like, well, he didn't, he's a dark wizard. So he didn't want like another dark wizard competing with him. And Voldemort didn't want that either. Like dumb, but it checks out for them though. And so they think that's a like a plausible theory. But I like, I really love how Fred and George are just like, no, this is stupid. Like whatever. Let's just make fun of it. So, they find it all funny and they kind of go out of their way to like march ahead of Harry like down the corridors and they're sarcastically like make way for the heir of Slytherin, seriously evil wizard coming through. Love that I say this like every episode for this book, but I love that heir of Slytherin because I my podcast is heir of Slytherin, so I love just heir of Slytherin reading that so much cuz this is really the only book where I can do that, so I will mention it every single time I can because the rest of the books don't really mention the words, the heiress Slytherin. So yeah, I love mentioning heiress Slytherin because this is the heiress of Slytherin podcast. So Percy does not approve of this behavior because, you know, Percy's, um, he's just Percy, you know, he doesn't like fun basically. He, or what he sees as rule breaking and things like that, or he's saying it's not a laughing matter. And so it's funny because Fred's like, okay, get out of the way, Percy. Harry's in a hurry. And George will tell him like, yeah, he's off to the Chamber of Secrets for a cup of tea with his fanged servant. So, and it's, that's crazy too that George said fanged servant because you know, he's a parcel tongue. So it's fanged, like space. snakes are fangs. So that's what, who a servant would be because he can communicate with snakes. And it's like, George, you are actually correct. He's not Harry's servant by any means. He's like Voldemort's servant because it'll only... The basilisk will only obey the heir, the heir Slytherin. But yeah, in the Chamber of Secrets of fanged creatures, exactly what's in there. So I think that's another like cool little clue and Easter egg here. So Jenny also doesn't find it amusing. And she uh, she doesn't like it. And it's, you know, she's behind the attack. So that's part of why she doesn't like it. She really doesn't know what she's doing. Um, because it's Voldemort's it's like dark magic, like possessing her, but you know, it's, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like that her, her brothers are doing this. So anytime, like the twins, like ask Harry, like when he's, pl- who he's planning to attack next, like loudly, like, you know, as like in a sarcastic way, or, um, they, <laughs> they pretend to ward Harry off with a large clove of garlic, like anytime they see him or something like that. She doesn't like that they're doing that. And so, also, it's kind of like, where would he, where did he get a clove of garlic? And it's because they visit the kitchen so much. That's another cool little introduction because we don't learn that for another, like, I think, year or two that um, Fred and George visit the kitchens, like, kind of often. Harry does not mind. He does not mind that Fred and George are, like, doing these things, saying these things, making, like, a comedy out of it. Harry actually feels a little bit better that the twins know that him being the heir of Slytherin is so ludicrous like he can't be Slytherin's heir and so he notices that Fred and George's antics seem to be aggravating Malfoy because he just looks increasingly more angry or like sour and annoyed every time that they see him and Ron says that he looks so mad annoyed because he wants to take the credit for it which is it's funny, they really hate Draco, and they really are convinced that he is the heir of Slytherin, and that they're, he's annoyed by the twins' antics, because he's the one that wants the credit and the glory for it. So, the potion's almost ready, though, so they're going to find out soon, right? So, the term ends, um, the Weasleys are all staying, so all Weasleys that are in Hogwarts are staying, because their parents, Molly and Arthur, they're visiting their, the older brother, Bill, in Egypt. He's not; um, he is the oldest brother, and Charlie is the next oldest brother. And they're not at Hogwarts right now. But um, and then it's Percy. He's the next one, but Percy's still at Hogwarts. So Percy is convinced that it's his prefect's duty to stay. Like, sure, okay, whatever helps you, you know justify your crazy behavior percy that's fine so chris this morning arrives hermione is still adding some ingredients to the Polyjuice potion she's adding the lacewing flies and says that she's positive that it's ready and she also brings in um presents for them as well and she just kind of bursts in on Christmas morning, says that she's been awake for about an hour already. And she like throws open their curtains. Ron, who's like still tired, is like, Rhyne, you're not supposed to be in here. She, I like how she's like, Merry Christmas to you too. But I mean, they're the only ones in there. So, I mean, yeah, they're not supposed to go in the dormitories. But she just goes in there, says that the potion's like ready. We're going to go do this tonight and everything. Hedwig also comes into the, he, she flies in, right? And I just, let's just talk about this for a second. Harry's said, hello, said Harry happily as she landed on his bed. Are you speaking to me again? Because H- Hedwig comes in with a small package that she brings for Harry. So you're telling me this is Christmas day. December 25th is when Christmas is every year, right? And September 1st is when that happens between the Whomping Willow And the flying car and all that crazy hecticness that Hedwig was not happy with. Remember, she flew away all angry once they got to Hogwarts to go to the Allery and just like hang out there with her little owl friends. That was on September 1st. It is now December 25th, Christmas Day. And Hedwig is. Why are you telling me Hedwig didn't like speak to him? I mean, obviously she's not speaking to him because she's an owl and Harry is a human. If she was a snake, that's a different story. But like you know what I mean not like interacting with him but Harry asked are you speaking to me again like you know speaking as in like the communication that a pet will do with their owner like are you telling me for months from September 1st to Christmas day Hedwig was just mad at Harry and she like Hedwig girl I mean I get it she like her and Harry both were having a really like cooped up somewhere where they couldn't leave and like she wasn't allowed to go and fly out. There were bars on the window at one point. Harry was being starved. Like he was only let out of his room two times a day. Like that's, you know, Hedwig went through that, but Harry went through that too. And she knew like it really wasn't his fault. And the Whomping Willow, that wasn't his fault either. Like the, that fiasco that summer, like this, the Whomping Willow craziness, like that, that wasn't Harry's fault. And the fact that Hedwig was like probably like avoiding Harry or like only bringing him his packages but not like interacting with him. Like the fact that she like um, probably like landed on his bed and, and is like an indicator that he was like, oh, okay, so you're not mad anymore. After she probably like didn't um, do that before. Like if she if she was bringing like the Daily Prophet or something, she was just like throwing it and leaving or like landing somewhere far away from him or something like that. So I, I just, and Harry's happy, like, hello, said Harry happily, like, he's finally glad that his pet, his, like, Wizarding World companion in the Muggle world is, like, okay with speaking to him again. So she, it says that she nibbled his ear in an affectionate sort of way, because it's like she's finally come around to being, like, not mad at Harry. (laughs) Like, that's, that's Hedwig for you. She was just not happy right now. Um, and I love Hedwig and I am getting so sad right now because I'm thinking about how she's only has like five more years left of life because she gets killed. Like, oh my God, it's, it's hard. So I just, I got to move on before I like cry thinking about that because, you know, a lot of loss lately. So Hedwig, like, you know, being like doing the like affectionate nimble to his ear, whatever that owls do, um. It was a far better present than what she had brought him because it was from the Dursleys. And do you know what they brought him? What their Christmas present to him was? It was a toothpick. And it was a note to him telling him to see if he can stay for summer as well. Because, you know, they're probably, they don't want to see him. They're annoyed that, like, he kind of, like, escaped and everything. But Petunia, like, they know that he has to come back. But they're like, let's just see if, like, he can stay for the summer or whatever. And, and Harry would if he, if he was able to, but, you know, that's not a thing that they do. And then the rest of Harry's presents are definitely better than what the Dursleys sent him. Hagrid, poor, oh, God, I'm so sad every time I think about Hagrid. He, because, you know, Robbie Coltrane. But Hagrid sent Harry a large, tr- a large tin of treacle fudge. Harry kind of, like, softened it by the fire by eating. Sounds really good and wants some treacle fudge. Ron gave him a Flying with the Cannons book. It's just one of some interesting facts about his favorite Quidditch team. Hermione brings him, um, or she bought him a feather eagle, like an eagle feather quill. It's like a luxury quill. And Mrs. Weasley um, sent him a like those classic hand knitted sweaters, or a classic hand knitted sweater. She didn't send him multiple, and a large plum cake. And he also like she also likes sent him a card, and he just feels like a big surge of guilt because of the um you know the crash the car the womping Willow all that and he knows that him and Ron are about to do even more rule breaking and he just feels guilty about it and then they go to the Great Hall to have their Christmas dinner and I love the description so the Great Hall looked magnificent not only were there a dozen frost-covered Christmas trees and thick streamers of holly and mistletoe crisscrossing the ceiling but enchanted snow was falling Warm and dry from the ceiling. Dumbledore led them in a few of his favorite carols, Hagrid booming more and more loudly with every goblet of eggnog he consumed. Percy, who hadn't noticed that Fred had bewitched his prefect badge so that an outread pinhead, kept asking all of them what they were sniggering at. Harry didn't even care that Draco Malfoy was making loud, snide remarks about his new sweater from the Slytherin table. With a bit of luck, Malfoy would be getting his comeuppance in a few hours' time. So Harry and Ron were finishing their third helpings of Christmas pudding and Hermione was basically like, okay, let's go. Let's get rolling because they still need to get some of Crab and Goyle and Hermione needed to explain to them her plans for the evening and just everything that she kind of like got worked out in her head, right? So she held up two plump chocolate cakes and she filled them with a simple sleeping draught. And all she, all that Harry and Ron had to do was make sure that Crabbe and Goyo found them. And she said, like, they're gonna get them because they're greedy and they like food and they're just gonna want to eat them. And she said once they're asleep, hide them in the room closet and pull out some of their hairs. And Ron and Harry are kind of like seriously, Hermione, like, I don't think, like, th- this would just go seriously wrong. Wrong. Sorry, not wrong. <laughs> and uh, She, I think it's interesting that it says, but Hermione had a steely glint in her eye, not unlike the one Professor McGonagall sometimes had. I think that's like an interesting choice of words. Like why even include that? But then it's like, okay, maybe, because she's a little bit rebellious, but it's like McGonagall, like a steely glint. Like what exactly? Like, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on that and what you think that exactly like was. And so... Basically, she tells them she's, like, I think it's, like, her being, like, stern. Because she's, like, sternly saying the potion is going to be useless without their hairs. Like, that's what we need. And, like, you want to investigate Malfoy, don't you? And she says that she already has her hairs. And she has, like, a little bottle, like, a tiny bottle with one hair in it. And she says that she got it off her, it was on, it's Millicent Bullstrode, Like, when she, like, kind of tackled her um, at the dueling club, she left it on her robes. And she was trying to strangle Hermione. And she's gone home for Christmas. So she just figures that she'll just tell the Slytherins that she's come back. So it's, it's easy for Hermione. She doesn't have to, like, knock her out, too, with a sleeping draught. So Hermione already got the robes um, out of the laundry. So when Harry and Ron go to kind of, like, wait for Crab and Goyle, the plan goes smoothly. And they take their shoes as well because their own are too small. So they go back into myrtle's bathroom and it looks just terrible like it looks disgusting they don't even want to like drink it they are just completely it's just they hear like the gloop gloop like i like that noise like cow that description of that's the noise of the potion like bubbling um and the glass tumblers are just there like on the toilet seat for them ready to drink and um Yeah, they all are just looking at it. It looks like thick, dark mud, and it's just, like, bubbling. And Hermione's, like, a little bit nervous, but she says that she's sure she's done everything right. She's kind of rereading the ingredients page and instructions on in the Most Potent Potions book. And she says that they'll have exactly an hour. So now they um, pour some potion into each glass, and they separate the hairs because that's what they have to do to actually, like, turn into that person. So... They they do it, like they're not excited about it, and they're saying that like they're sure that it tastes disgusting. And it's interesting that they like turn different colors. Like Hermione's turns into like a sickly looking yellow color. Um, that's Millicent Bolstrode's like essence. And then Harry is turning into goyle and his turns a khaki color and Ron who's turning into grab that crab, that potion turns into a like dark murky brown and they're just not excited about it. And they go take different stalls because they're not sure they'll all fit once they turn into the Slytherins. And so they do it. And then Harry, like on count of three, like as they have to like psych themselves up for it or hype themselves up for it, I guess. So Harry on three, he pinches his nose and he drinks the potion down in two large gulps. And he says that it tastes like overcooked cabbage And then there's a description of the transformation. So I want to read it because it's pretty much what's happening. Like, that's how the Polyjuice Potion takes its effect. Immediately, his insides started writhing as though he'd just swallowed live snakes. Doubled up, he wondered whether he was going to be sick. Then a burning sensation spread rapidly from his stomach to the very ends of his fingers and toes. Next, bringing him gasping to all fours came a horrible melting feeling as his skin all over his body bubbled like hot wax. And before his eyes, his hands began to grow. The fingers thickened, the nails broadened, the knuckles were bulging like bolts. His shoulders stretched painfully and a prickling on his forehead told him that his hair was creeping down towards his eyebrows. His robes ripped as his chest expanded like a barrel bursting at tubes. So that's like, it's just a crazy like, almost painful like transformation and he harry didn't like change before which would have probably been smart but he didn't do that so he has to like kind of struggle to get out of his own like robes and he has to put on like the bigger sizes um and shoes for like goyle's size And so he hears, like, he talks and asks if the other two are okay. And he hears, like, Goyle's low, raspy voice, like, coming from his mouth. And it's just very, like, weird. And so Myrtle's just kind of making noises around, you know, how she normally does. And Harry and Ron look at each other. And they're looking at each other as Crab and Goyle. And it is just really... It is so crazy. Um that especially because like this their bodies are different like they're a lot bigger than they would be if they were themselves like he has to take Harry has to take his glasses off because he can't see in them anymore Goyle is his voice like he has Goyle's voice it's all very weird for them and so it really is like I'm thinking I'm looking at my notes now and I wrote that it's really so crazy that the trio did this like it's so mischievous and they never, like, told anyone. Not that we're aware of. They might have told people, like, years later after the events of, like, the canon series. But, like, I mean, we, unless they told, like, Fred and George randomly, like, one time, like, while they were in school. Like, oh, we have, like, Fred and George, like, haven't done that. Like, this is insane. Like, I wonder if anyone at Hogwarts has ever done Polyjuice Potion before them. Like, we know that Barty Crouch Jr. and Goblet of Fire, like, that's different. But to, like, break the rules and... Brew this potion and take the time to do it and steal the ingredients and like really have something they want to find out. So they go through these measures. Like, this is insane. This trio is crazy. And I could totally, like, my head cannon is them, like, years later, just randomly. Remember that one time that we, like, broke so many rules? It's like, oh, which time? But, like, the time that we, Hermione, brewed the polyjuice potion and we transformed into the Slytherins, like, and we went into the common room. Like, that is insane. Like, this is so crazy and I just love them that they do this like these characters are great I just think it's so funny so they still have to find the common room and I was kind of surprised Hermione didn't find that out beforehand especially because they only have an hour like you would think Hermione would have thought of that like I'm not sure but um they're kind of like Hermione let's go and Hermione insists that they go on without her they are not sure what's going on they're kind of like, Hermione, like, come on, we need you. Like, let's go. Let's leave. But um, Hermione is saying, no, just go on without me. I'm not going to come after all. And she's telling them to, like, you're wasting time. Just go. Like, you need to just leave. Harry looks at his watch. Five minutes half passed. So they only have 55 left. And it's, those are precious minutes. Like, they got to leave, right? So they, Harry and Ron as Crab and Goyle, like, or I guess Harry is Goyle and Ron is Crab. So, you know. But they look out of the bathroom like very carefully because it's the girls' bathroom. So they're checking to see the coast is clear, and then they leave. And so they're trying to like make their walks the way that Goyle and Crab walk. And they're kind of like looking around. They just need to find a Slytherin and they could follow to the common room. But there's like nobody around. So Ron thinks like, okay, like towards the dungeons over here. Um, Slytherins always come up to breakfast from over there. So that's where they like start to just set off right and so they go in the direction of dungeons and um they kind of run into um this girl with long curly hair she emerges from the entrance and she looks up at her and she says and ron says to her we've forgotten the way to our common room and she stiffly says i beg your pardon our common room i'm a ravenclaw so easter egg here this ravenclaw is penelope clearwater this is Percy's, like, secret girlfriend. Like, he was shut up in his room all summer. He was writing letters to her. Jenny catches them in this book as well, like, later on. And then she later tells, like, them that it was Penelope Clearwater that he was, like, sneaking around to see right at school. And so this is Penelope Clearwater. Like, this is, like, she was, like, seeing Percy just now. And we're about to, like, see Percy soon. So this is, like, a big hint. Like, this is, like, a clue to it. But she is Penelope Clearwater, That the girl that Ron asked. And she is in Ravenclaw. So she like looks suspiciously at them because it's like kind of weird. Like how would you forget the way to your common room? (laughs) But yeah. So she, they keep walking, you know, they are like, they want it to be easy, but they're not sure it's going to be easy because they're just not sure. And now a quarter of an hour has, has passed and they're getting kind of desperate, you know, because they they are on a strict time limit, so they need to find this common room. Then suddenly, during one of the passages, it's deserted, and then they see someone like coming around the corner, right? And they're they're excited, like oh, finally! But nope, not a Slytherin. It is Percy. So obviously, he's a Gryffindor. Percy could be. Honestly, I think he could be in Slytherin if any of the Weasleys were to not be sorted into Gryffindor or could be part of another house. I honestly think that it would be Percy Weasley, and I will explain that in a different episode. But I stand by that. Not not saying he's only Slytherin or he should have been in Slytherin, or, but like I think he could have been. So, anyways, they were excited that someone else was like there until they saw that it was Percy, because you know he's not going to help them. Percy's Percy, especially because and you know they're Ron's not Ron right now, and Harry's not Harry. It's Crab and Goyle to Percy, right? So. And surprised, because Ron's kind of like, wait, what are you doing here? And he asks him, like, what are you doing down here? Percy looks affronted. And he's like, that is none of your business. It's Crab, isn't it? And Ron's like, oh, uh, yeah. And then Percy tells them, like, go get off to your dormitories. Like, it's not safe to go wandering around the door corridors these days at, like, and it's nighttime, even though these are all purebloods right here. Like, Crab, Goyle, and Percy, they're all purebloods. They're not going to get attacked. But... Ron points out, like, you're the one that you're out here, like, roaming the corridors at night. And Percy says that, he says, I am a prefect. Nothing's going to attack me, which is just absolutely hilarious. Like, Percy, seriously, just because you're a prefect does not mean you're immune and you're above, like, everything else, which he he thinks that's exactly the case. And a prefect, you know, Penelope Clearwater, prefect, she get attacked? Yeah, she did. She's a muggle-born. But that's, it's not because you're a prefect. It's because you're a muggle-born. She gets um, petrified later on in this book. So basically, Percy, you're not above being attacked. Actually, the only reason you're not going to be attacked is because you are a pureblood. And, you know, not the fact that you're a prefect because Penelope does get attacked later. Because she's a muggle-born. And that's what the Basilisk is after. That's what their Slytherin wants to get rid of, you know. So, basically he's just he's telling them like I'm not gonna get attacked because I'm a prefect and then suddenly a voice comes behind them saying there you are and it's Draco Malfoy right and so this is the first time in his life that Harry is pleased to see Malfoy is the only time because he knows like they can finally talk to him and get into the common room right so he says that he's been looking for them he wants to show them really something really funny And then he says, what are you doing down here, Weasley? And Percy, you know, he's a prefect, right? So he's, like, he looks, he's shocked. He's, like, outraged that somebody wouldn't show respect to a school prefect. And he doesn't like Malfoy's attitude. And so they just leave. Malfoy just gives him a look and, like, motions for the other two to follow him. And Harry was almost going to kind of, like, apologize to um, Percy. But he was like, oh, wait, I got to stay in character. I'm Goyle right now, right? So, as they're turning the corner, because they're following Malfoy to get to the common room, Malfoy starts saying, that Peter Weasley. And then Ron, just naturally, just because he's his brother, is like, oh, Percy, like, corrects him. And then Malfoy's like, oh, whatever. Um, he actually says that he's noticed that he's, he's seen Percy sneaking around a lot lately. Um... And he thinks he knows what he's up to. He thinks that, like, he's going to catch Slytherin's heir, like, single-handed, right? And um, that's, like, news to Harry and Ron. They're like, oh, what? Percy's thinking around? Does he really think he's going to catch him? No, Percy is thinking around a lot because of his little girlfriend, Penelope Clearwater, the one that Harry and Ron ran into before this. They're meeting, like, in this secret little... I don't know what it is, where they're meeting exactly like a passage, like corridor, a hallway, a room. They're meeting somewhere where they think is secret. And that's what they've been thinking around a lot lately, right? So they get to, um, it's a stretch of bare, damp stone wall. Remember there, um, the Gryffindor common room is the, the fat lady. She's the one that's like, lets them in with the password. However, this is just the wall for the Slytherin common room. Every, every common room is a little bit different. They don't all have passwords, right? But Slytherin and Gryffindor do so Malfoy says the password and it's pure blood that is that's insane that is crazy that is that's bad that's why Slytherins get a bad rap I'm a Slytherin and it's this is a lot you know but that's the thing too like I've mentioned it so many times and I'll mention it a lot more it's like Slytherins like they aren't sorted into Slytherin because they're evil that's not what it is it's ambitious and cunning, and they're cunning. They're um. They are very astute. They're shrewd, and they make they have good judgment. Like they make good judges of characters. What they are, and they're able to use what they need to get what they want. Ambition. Like they're good judges of. Like that's like what Slytherin is. It's not evil, but the fact that the password was pure blood. That's insane. And I want to know. Who creates these passwords? Is it the head boy slash head girl? Is it the prefects? Is it is it the head of houses? Like is Snape the one that said pure blood was the password? Like I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's the case. But like seriously, geesh, that's crazy. That that's the fact. Like, that's what the password for this time is. And that's like a new password. Like it's recent because Malfoy has to like stop and think like, oh, what was it again? So it's not like it like that's a lot. That's a little bit insensitive. So this it's the wall slides open with the password and it's like a stone door. So Harry and Ron follow Malfoy through it and the description is that it's a long, low underground room with rough stone walls and ceiling from which round greenish lamps were hanging on chains. A fire was crackling under an elaborately carved mantelpiece ahead of them, and several Slytherins were silhouetted around it in high-backed chairs. So he goes to get um, what he wanted to show, crab and Goyle. That was really funny. And I love the description of the Slytherin common room. Since I'm a Slytherin, that's the common room I would be hanging out in, you know? And I like it. I like the, like, dark green, like, vibes of it. I love the way it looks in the movies. It looks so cool and comfy and cozy. And it's... Um, it's like it's all green and everything because of the lake. They're like underneath the lake or by the lake or whatever. That's why the common room looks like that. And so it's really good too because later on when Harry, Ron, Hermione get captured by Snatchers in Deathly Hollows, They say they were in Slytherin house at Hogwarts and those Snatchers are like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. And Harry's like, no, it's true. This is what the common room looks like. And it's like, oh, only a Slytherin would know that. Because if you're in other houses, you don't just go in other houses, common rooms. Because that just doesn't happen. But, you know. Harry and Ron, ever rebellious, broke the rules and were able to see what the common room looks like. So Harry and Ron, in disguise, like, kind of do their best to, like, look at home, to look comfy, like this is something natural. So they, Malfoy goes to get the, what he was going to show them, and it was a clipping from the Daily Prophet. And I'm just going to read the brief article. So it's titled, Inquiry at the Ministry of Magic. Arthur Weasley, head of Misuse of Muggle Artifacts Office, was today fined 50 galleons for bewitching a muggle car. Mr. Lucius Malfoy, a governor of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, where the enchanted car crashed earlier this year, called today for Mr. Weasley's resignation. Weasley has brought the ministry into disrepute, Mr. Malfoy told our reporter. He is clearly unfit to draw up our laws and his ridiculous Muggle Protection Act should be scrapped immediately. Mr. Weasley was unavailable for comment, although his wife told reporters to clear off or she'd set the family ghoul on them. And so, you know, if this was the real crime and go, they probably would be laughing right away. However, it's Harry and Ron, and that's Ron's dad. So Harry just, like, he's like, oh, ha-ha, like bleakly trying to, like, laugh, you know? And crab ron who was who is crab like his face is like furious and because malfoy is like well arthur weasley should just go join the moyle muggles uh, snap his wand and go join them if he loves them so much like you would never know the weasleys are pure bloods the way they behave you know and that's you know this is ron he's a weasley that's his family his daddy's talking about and so he just tells malfoy like oh just a stomach ache that's like what's you know because he's asking what's up with you crab and it's malfoy's just like stomach ache whatever so i also think it's funny that they all call them by like malfoy crab and goyle like their friend circle they just call each other by their last names because <laughs> vincent crab is the name gregory goyle draco malfoy they all call each other like by the last names which i think is funny which is i guess what their dads do because their dads are all death eaters and they just call each other like you know by the last names too. So it's very much an inherited thing, I think. So Malfoy just continues to be rude. He does like an impression of um, Colin Creevy, like, oh, can I have your autograph? Can I have your picture, Potter? That kind of thing. Um, he also is surprised that the Daily Prophet hasn't reported these attacks. And you know, I was kind of thinking that too, because you know, you would, the Daily Prophet would be all over that, like trying to get this information. Um, and Malfoy says that he thinks Dumbledore is trying to hush it all up, and that he's going to be sacked soon if it doesn't stop. And he he says like, "Fathers always said old oh, Dumbledore's the worst thing that ever happened to this place. Like he loves Muggle Muggleborns and like all this stuff." And Harry and Ron, who aren't laughing at this, you know, the real Crabbe and Goyle would be. He's like, "What like what's the matter with you two? And it says far too late. Harry and Ron forced themselves to laugh, but. Malfoy, you know, doesn't think anything of it because they're, they're thinking Crab and Globe were always slow on the uptake. So, you know, Harry, or Malfoy keeps mentioning Harry. Like, he's just the, he's the Mudblood's friend. Like, he's so great, isn't he? You know, very mockingly, because it's, that's what he does. He makes fun of Harry. And so he even, he calls Hermione a Mudblood again. Um, and he then he says, And people actually think he's the heir of Slytherin. I love the way Tom Felton delivers, like 12-year-old Tom Felton delivering that line, 13-year-old, however old he was, in the movie was great. Like, if people actually think that he's the heir of Slytherin, like, it's so good. So Malfoy is saying, I wish I knew who it was because I could help them. And like, seriously, Malfoy, like, you are just a bad little boy. The fact that he said that, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you really would, like, say that like that's so bad that's he's just the horrible kid and the fact that he wants to help them like it's it's just bad so harry as goyle is like well you you must know who's behind it then and goyle snaps at him like how many times or malfoy snaps at goyle which is harry how many times have to tell you i don't know who it is like you keep asking me father won't tell me anything about it either he knows about it like it was before his time because it was fifty years ago, but he does know some stuff about it, and he thinks that it'll look suspicious if I know too much about it. So that's smart on Lucius Malfoy's part, not really telling Malfoy more, like his son Malfoy more, just in case he goes blabbing about about it. Um and it would it would look very suspicious if he knew too much. It already looks suspicious to like Harry Ron Hermione. But and especially cause he said you'll be next one, blood's like more people should be more suspicious about Malfoy like, than Harry being there as Slytherin. So, one thing his dad did tell him was that 50 years ago, the last time the chamber was open, a mudblood died. So, it's only a matter of time before one of them's killed this time. And he says, I hope it's Granger. He says it with relish. That is a terrible thing to say. To hope that one of your classmates dies absolutely awful like Malfoy really is just a terrible little kid so it it's just bad and they're both like angry but they have to like not they can't defend Hermione right now because they're Crabbe and Goyle and they just you know they have to like just they give Harry gives Ron like a look of warning like you know like just stop and so he asks Malfoy like what happened to the last person who opened the chamber, Malfoy says they were expelled and they're probably still in Azkaban. And this is the first mention, right? We already know what it is because I've explained in this podcast, but Harry doesn't know what Azkaban is. Ron does because, you know, he grew up a pureblood. He grew up a wizard. He knows. But Harry asks like Azkaban and Malfoy looks at him in, dis- in disbelief. Azkaban, the wizard prison Goyle, like says it slowly for him to understand because he, he knows that his friends are dumb, and he's probably gets tired of explaining things, so he's like, Azkaban, the wizard prison? Like, he really knows this. So he tells him, honestly, if you were any slower, you'd be going backward. is just mean to everybody. So, yeah. Basically, Lucius, the advice that he gave to Draco was, like, just keep your head down and let the air slither Slytherin get on with it. <laughs> That's literally what Lucius told his son Draco. Like, just don't interfere. Like... He says that the school needs to get rid of the mudblood filth, but just don't get mixed up in it. And he's telling him um, that his Lucius has like a law on his plate at the moment because the ministry raided their manor last week. Yeah, Malfoy Manor. They don't live in like a house. They don't even live in like a little like a quaint mansion or whatever. They live in a manor. Like it's a full-on like property. Like it's a manor. It's, it's huge. So yeah, the Ministry of Magic raided our manor last week is what... Malfoy tells them and so Harry tries to make Goyle's like face look concerned you know (laughs) um and he says that they didn't find much and like his father has some very valuable dark art stuff but luckily we've got our own secret chamber under the drawing room floor interesting right so I'll have to come back to this I can't remember if like they tell like the ministry the the manor does get rated more times like throughout this series i'm sure i can't remember specific instances but it does get like rated again and i i know for sure it gets rated again after lucius malfoy gets arrested and um you know like at the ministry as the death eaters and everything he gets sent to azkaban so i know that like it gets rated again at that time but this is valuable information right very valuable dark art stuff in their own secret chamber under the drawing room floor you know protected by magic of course so suddenly Ron's hair is like turning red. His nose, nose is lengthening, like their hour is up, right? So they give each other like a look and they just jump up and like leave. And Ron just kind of is like, oh, medicine for my stomach because I have a stomach ache." remember? So they just kind of like bolt out of there and leave. And they really hope that Malfoy like isn't noticing anything, but they feel like the shoes are too big, the clothes, the robes are getting too big. They have to like pull them up as they're like running. So it's pretty, it's a lot. They they sprint, like, as fast as they can with their huge, like, clothes and everything to get to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. And Ron says, like, um, it wasn't a complete waste of time. Oh, and he says that I'm going to write to dad tomorrow and tell him to check under the Malfoy's drawing room. So that's, that's good. I do like how they include that because um, now they know where to raid exactly. So great. I'm glad that Malfoy gave that information. I, I forgot that was in my notes later that they did give that information to Arthur Weasley eventually. So they get back and I was just thinking like how funny it is. Like imagine how much dumber Malfoy is going to think that Crab and Goyle are after all of this. Like, because they they weren't there, like, when Malfoy was explaining everything, right? When they had this conversation, when he showed them the article, when he talked about the raid, when, like, just, they weren't there because they were asleep, right? Because of the sleeping shot. It was Harry and Ron. So imagine if Malfoy brings up, like, remembrance of this conversation, and they're going to think, like, Malfoy's going to think they're so much dumber. Like, you probably didn't think they could get any dumber. And now he's going to be like, wow, these guys are dumb. But yeah. So Harry puts his glasses back on because he can't see. They get to Hermione. The stall Hermione was in and they tell her, Hermione, like, come on, we have a lot to tell you. And she tells them to go away. And they're like, you have to be back to normal by now. Like, we are. Like, what's wrong? And Moaning Myrtle looks happy. She looks like they've never seen her look so happy. She says, just wait till you see. It's awful. Because Hermione is, like, sobbing. And so Ron is like, okay, maybe, like, do you still have Millicent's nose? Like, he thinks, like, maybe that's what it is. However, they see her, and her face is covered in black fur. Um, her eyes are yellow, and she has pointed ears poking through her hair. So, she's just sobbing, and she says, Millicent Bulstrode had cat hair on her robes. Like, she must have a cat, because that's, some students at Hogwarts have owls, some have toads, some have cats, right? So, she must have a cat. And so, the potion isn't supposed to be used for animal transformations because things go wrong so that's what's happening here like something went wrong with the potion because it's supposed to be for human transformations only so hermione is sobbing she's not sure what's like supposed to happen um all ron says is uh oh because he's like that is bad and so myrtle's very happy because she says that you're going to be teased something dreadful and Harry's, like, trying to reassure her, like, oh, it's okay, Hermione, like, we'll just take you to the hospital wing, man, I'm never asked too many questions, like, don't worry about it, like, let's just, let's just go, but it takes some time for Harry and Ron to persuade her to, like, leave the bathroom, even, like, at nighttime, even though there's not many people there, because it's Christmas break, like, and I get it, like, she doesn't, that's, that's a lot, like, that's scary, that's hard, but then eventually, her friends convince her, like, okay, Hermione, like, let's go, but, the only one happy right now is moaning Myrtle. She is so happy that Hermione's gonna get teased, and the chapter ends with her saying, "Wait till everyone finds out you've got a tail." So another great chapter that was so much fun. I it's sad because you know Robbie Coltrane and like that's who this episode is dedicated to, and I just really love his portrayal of Hagrid, and I I'm very sad he's gone, but. I'm glad he's in a better place and I'm glad that we have this legacy that he left us with and this entire series just means so much to me and so many other people that it's I'm I'm glad that we have these memories of him and of his portrayal of Hagrid so again really great chapter a lot of stuff happens um Malfoy is a terrible little kid. We know that he's not the heir, and we know that he doesn't know who's behind it. So, we also get a first mention of Azkaban. That's really cool. So, we also met Fox for the first time. Like there is some good firsts in this in this chapter, and so I want to leave end the episode with a clip of Robbie Coltrane speaking but before I do that I want to I'm not going to mention my social medias and that whole spiel that I do at the beginning and end of every episode I do it in every I do it in every episode but I'm no things necessary for this one and so I do however want to remind everybody that for next episode make sure you read chapter 13 of Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets The Very Secret Diary so thanks for listening, and I'm just going to leave you with the great words of Robbie Coltrane to finish. The legacy of the movies is that my children's generation will show them to their children so you could be watching it in 50 years' time. Easy. I'll not be here, sadly. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think on it for one minute. But Hagrid will. Yes. Thank you for listening to The Heirs of Slytherin, Harry Potter podcast. I'm Mikaela, your host. Bye.